Can't get enough of Cthulhu and Cairo? Join our Patreon for as low as $3 per month to access special features and bonus content. You can find us online at patreon.com slash thebardiccollege. You're listening to a 7th edition Call of Cthulhu podcast titled Cthulhu in Cairo, brought to you by the Bardic College. Please remember to like, share, and subscribe to the show to receive notifications as our future episodes release. You can visit us on Facebook at the Bardic College. Viewer discretion is advised. Welcome back, and welcome to another episode of the Bardic College Presents Cthulhu in Cairo. Uh, I'm here, and we normally introduce ourselves, but for tonight, because we have a lot to cover, I'm just going to name off our players and our characters real quick, and we'll get right back into the action. I uh, hope you're able to join us for the last episode. There were some really big reveals and some situations that occurred at the house of Percival Reese, but if not, you'll be able to pick right up uh, as our team speeds back towards London in the dead of night, trying to cope with the terrible events that occurred as they fell upon a mummification that was fresher than they had ever anticipated they would ever see in in any type of their life. So we have Joel playing Sid Poulter. Also with us tonight, Melinda Ballard playing Faye Dawson. The two Grigoletti girls, Lauren, with Catherine Ross and Kayla as Aveline Hammond. And we also have Scott Hughes playing Professor John Schooley. We pick up with a car driving back to London, like I said, in the dead of night after leaving a murder scene that appeared to be getting cleaned up by some out-of-town police officers who arrived on the scene after a call, mysterious call by Aveline Hammond uh, from the from the Reese house. Okay, so conversation-wise, uh, Faye, we talked about you were going to share some things about the book. John wanted, I guess this is where John would tar- take out the key and start talking. Yeah, did, did you say her name was Rose Edith Kelly? Yeah, Rose Edith Kelly. I kind of nod over to Sid and I pull out the, the key I said, well, I, I've got a key here that has the initials R-E-K on it. Is that the one that came out of that book that we found? It is. Huh. It is also the one that goes to a what we presume to be a safe deposit box at the National Trust Bank. I'm thinking we need to see what's in that safety deposit box. I'm glad that we've reached an accord. I agree the same thing. What did you say, Catherine? We barely, I didn't catch you. With a whole lot of fed up in her voice just goes, well, ain't that something? Hmm. <laughs> ain't that the peach who's driving sid is driving correct yes sid is driving yeah so there's there is that uh we do know that now everybody can make me an intel uh an idea check and we're gonna make it we're gonna need a hard success on this one because this has been a couple days and a lot of things have occurred Bye. has it i got a 16 which is a hard success exactly okay i got a crit i got a crit So we have more than enough people that are able to recall that there was a newspaper article that spoke of two people that had escaped and were considered dangerous in London from an institution. And it's starting to feel like that may have been Rose Rose Kelly herself. It's starting Mm. to come together that the timing makes sense that either they got out, were let out, something may have happened at that particular facility that gained them their freedom. To what end, no one knows yet, but it's definitely the time. Like, wait a minute, she's a nut job. You met a mm-hmm. nut job in the woods. There was a guy in an Anubis head who was a nut job. I wonder if they're the two nut jobs. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, and how did Keeper, do we remember how, like, was there anything in the article that said, like, what helped them get out? No. Or, in, like, in the in the ruckus of anything? There was nothing, like... No, Um. you, okay. you know that the... the, the so, largest... no... Sorry, go ahead. So, we go to visit... I, I, I'm just, the way that my brain is thinking, I went to go visit the hospital where the bodies were fire. Mm-hmm. 
bookshop fire. If it's also fire, that would be hell of a coincidence, but these guys just got out. Okay. Yeah, no, the, um, the we largest, can look into it. Yeah, the, there's there is a very large sanitarium on uh, mm-hmm. the outskirts of northern London. It houses something like 200 mentally ill patients. That's probably your best bet where to start if you're thinking about trying to visit the hospital. You know, when when you get back to London in the morning, yep. everything's something to consider. Thank you. Yeah. Can you describe this Rose Edith Kelly? What did she look like? Yeah, she's not unattractive. She's got uh, brown hair. Uh, by this time, it would be in a bob cut. She's older. She looks slightly insane. She's older. She's older. Because we're in what? We're 1930-something, yeah. Are we getting pictures? 31. She died in 38, so. So that would be Rose Edith Kelly. So here's what I'm thinking. We we go by to see what's in this box, but um, perhaps one of you ladies is going to have to pretend the visage of Rose Edith Kelly, because I'm sure that uh, the National Trust will, you know, it's her box. There should be some right. recognition there. If I if I walk in and say, hello, I'm Rose Edith Kelly, it's probably not going to go well. <laughs> hello, I Colonel do. Kelly. Eveline, <laughs> you have. Colonel Kelly. Eveline says, if you'd like, I can see what, for myself if you wish. Well, perhaps the two of us should uh, maybe plan on visiting there in the morning. Absolutely. So that's one thing settled. Uh, we're not. Are we splitting the group up, or we're just going to morning meet at the bank, let them do what they got to do, and then if from there maybe go on to something else, depending on what it reveals. How do you guys want to play this? I arrive back in London at about two a.m. Yeah, we drop everybody off at their you know we you know still, houses and places of abode, and then I return the car. Okay. Are we still concerned about staying alone in our homes because they know we're, like the the. The fake copy was obviously mm-hmm. part of some sort of nefarious. Yeah, uh, he has all of our details in our homes. We all do have overnight bags packed with us, so we could. Yeah, just get a room somewhere. Up. Yeah. Okay, so I've got a nice room at the hotel. Lots of lots of space. It was a suite, right? Yep. Not sure how proper it is for all of us to room with you, especially Mister Sid Poulter. But if you're offering a a bed, <laughs> why is it why is it the most improper for me? What are you trying to say? Are you trying to say that if I'm a mucking in muck, it's all right to sleep with me in the same room, not in the same bed? What kind of man okay. do you think I am? Oh, no, no, there's beds, couches, floors. If anybody ladies, the ladies can have the bed. The ladies can have the bed. I'll sleep on the floor. A gentleman, I am. Gentleman. A gentleman. Yes. It's settled. Hotel. Sleep okay. under the nose. It works out. There's a mini so, bar. Uh, there, there is a yes, Catherine. There is a wet bar because who who doesn't like someone operating when they're drunk? Um, <laughs> So it's always good to have a steady hand for the nurses and the doctors. Uh, <laughs> so yeah, at about about four by about four a.m., everyone's had enough of the liquor and the nerves are settled and uh, things are things are going much much smoother, much easier, and people start to fall off to sleep. We'll say get up, freshen up, quick breakfast, and out the door by nine thirty, ten o'clock. We'll call it that. London didn't start super super early for the uh, the rich and famous. So uh, you make your way to the National Trust Bank. Um, I. Go I ahead. have disguise as a yep. skill. So why so don't you go I'm ahead and gonna... roll that and tell me what you come up with? Yes, that is a hard success. I have a, I believe it's a hard success. As say. Yes, I have a 50. I got a 24. So, so as everyone's finishing up toast and everything downstairs, Aveline walk comes out of the, the lift and all of you are rather shocked that she appears to be a woman in her late 40s to early 50s. Uh, looks like she's gained about 30 pounds. Uh, she's walking in a dress that's suitable to that type of 
of uh, age group and age appropriate. And her hair is now dark and a little bit curly. And she walks up. I uh, I walk up to her and I wink and I say, Miss Kelly, your car right this way. Why, thank you, Barnaby. Barnaby. <laughs> Sounds like the name of an attache. Wannabe? That's not that's unacceptable. <laughs> so, so Barnaby and Avalie uh, and uh, I'm sorry, Miss Kelly are heading for the bank. What are the are the other three going to the sanitarium, or are you going to stay together, or are you going to wait for them to return? What's the uh, the battle plan? I wanted to go to the bank too because okay. I wanted to see if there are any maybe there might be any kind of artifacts that are in there. So, yeah. so under the it guide. makes sense. It makes sense for you to be in the bank group. Yeah, so okay. I go under the guise of I'm her assistant slash secretary, I guess. Like Makes that's sense. What I'll- so and- the the uh, the reasoning between this behind the sanitarium is to get background on possibly how she got out, what her condition was, that sort of thing. Is that what we're thinking, or could be? Yeah. So there were. It said that there were two people that escaped. So if Rose is one of the people that escaped from the sanitarium, who's the other guy? You know, I'm game with that. Yeah. And I'm sure that um, name that I gave you, she said that she was involved with someone named John. So that's a name to look out for. I mean, it doesn't help that it's mm-hmm. the most common name ever, but hey. John seems like a very suspicious name. Right. I, before, hey, now. Hey, hey. <laughs> before Faye leaves, I ask her, is there anything about her that you know off the top of your head that might help me keep this facade up? I'm going with you. crazy. Oh, I thought you were going, oh, you're, bank- you're banking. No, I'm with you. But I do tell you, I just say, like, um, you know, she seemed just very suspicious of her surroundings. She seemed very, like, on guard at all times. Like, she just did not seem relaxed whatsoever. So, I mean, that also might be because, you know, I met her in the middle of the goddamn woods. So, who knows, but. <laughs> Quote of the night, I met her in the goddamn <laughs> woods. Okay, so you arrive at the bank. You pull up. The three of you, uh, Barnaby comes out, opens the door. Faye Dawson exits first. Then, of course, he goes around to the other side and lets out Miss Kelly. And you make your way into the bank. Who wants to do the speaking to get into the lockbox? And who has the key? Um, well, I still have the key in my in my my waistcoat, but um, I certainly wouldn't. Uh, yeah, I'd let. I think it would be appropriate if you did all the speaking, right? Okay, Miss Kelly. I certainly think it would. And like, I'm. It would it be appropriate for him to hold the key at all times? I don't know. I I, I think I would you. take the key. I think I would take the key. Okay, so you have the key. So yes. the branch managers has a, you know, there's a secretary off to one side and there's people gathering around and you have tellers on the other. Do you go up to the tell a teller or do you head more towards the the secretary and the branch manager? I think I would go to a teller and ask to meet the manager about opening my lockbox. Okay, they they direct you over to a secretary. It's a young man, early 20s. He says, "My my name is Phelps. How can I help you, ma'am?" Hi. Mr. Phelps, I am Rose Edith Kelly, and I'm here to procure the items out of my lockbox. It is time that I bring them home to my family. Are you closing your account today or just doing business with your box itself, madam? Just business. I want to make sure that everything is in order before I pursue some of my plans. Very good. Right this way, please. So he takes you over. He says, if you would just sign in the book, uh, we'll need your signature and the number of your box, please. And then if you may present your key. All right, I present. Does the thing have a key, the number on it? No. Oh, my. Interjecting okay. with uh, bank teller information, because I am one in real life. If it's on the ledger, then typically they would have a log of every time that they open the box with their box mm-hmm. numbers. So you could look above that and get the information from there and also match her signature from there. I would do, I guess, at the spot hidden roll if I find it in quick so- time. 
No, not hold on. So out of car- out of game, Mel, the it's not sign into a ledger back then with what all different people signing every time that box is used, it has a number, it has its own record. Okay. So then the number's good. Cause I, I thought it would be Smith box one fourteen sign Davis spot. What did a sign? I, I thought it would be like the, a running ledger of all the people that showed up on one day, not each box has its own ledger. They would have every um, customer would have their own page. At least that's how they do it in the bank that I work for. Let's um, call it that way. That makes it fine. I'm okay. If you know that for... signature. Yep. Yep. Okay, so now it's just about signing the ledger and making the signature look good. So we don't have forgery as a skill normally here in Call of Cthulhu. So go ahead and make me a luck roll. Yeah, my luck is better than my sleight of hand anyway. So I got a 51. What's your luck? 60. Okay, so you're able to get as close close enough that the man looks at it and says, very well, ma'am. If Are you alone or are these associates, are these associates of yours coming with you or? My assistant, Elizabeth, will be accompanying me. Barnaby, you wait by the car. Barnaby, given the cold. He's Very Cobalt Club. Dismissive. He's Cobalt Very Club. What are you doing? That's I thought the... that was what he would do. He's a chef. He's a chef. I'm your security. <laughs> Cobalt Schmobalt. That's just sure, make it, make it security. I, I thought it was just, oh, then he would, be... yes, then both of them are coming with. I'm sorry. I I just if, you don't have... me. if you don't have a double X chromosome, you don't get to see this lockbox. <laughs> I specifically heard her say, screw him. No. Yep. You, the, the fun part is, I, you just got promoted to driver. Thank you, man. <laughs> I you, seriously, I'll I swear to God, I don't want to be, I don't want to, like. No, no. Everybody gets to go in, then. That's fine. So you go in. He, he pulls the box out of a, out of a large, it's, you know, from a master area. He puts it down. He says, take as long as you wish, madam. Steps out, and you do have the key. You open the key with the box with the key, and miraculously, it it does give way. There is only a single slip of paper, handwritten, and that is what oh it says. Oh, my. I'll, I'll read it then. The prophecy. With the death of Pharaoh, we shall awake. The first breaths great chaos take, and from his blood we will beget an ancient being who shall let the shapeless ones of hunger and lust fall upon great Egypt, this land of dust. The skies will bleed, the Nile will dry, in the womb children will die. For us there will be no mercy, save for those who heed its calls. Tentacle-faced he stands, and slimy he crawls. Love poetry. Is that, uh, is that Cthulhu I smell? <laughs> it's actually Yates. That's the quote. That's the quote. Is that Yates? Tentacles? Slimy? It seems so familiar. That is the only piece of paper it is handwritten, and it is in the lockbox itself. Well, um, I say quickly, Faye, do you have a piece of paper we can transcribe this on? That way we can leave it like nobody was ever here. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely. I have a okay. notebook on me just because I'm posing as her assistant, so I really quickly jot it down. All right, we- let's go over to the other team. I'm sorry, again, Scott, if you had something. I was just going to say, to make sure, can we? is there any close inspection that's needed of it to make sure there was no other marks on the back of it, front of it? Anything peculiar about it that, you know, we would miss by leaving it here? Sure. Go ahead and make a spot hidden roll. That is a success. With your 70 spot hidden. He's he's very observant. Uh, the paper, everything appears, 
that you've gleaned as much as you can from it. It is, it's older. It's obviously on, on a type of paper that is costs money. It's a good quality paper, uh, but it was some sort or such. Yeah. Um, but it's nothing seems to be, you know, you hold it up to the light, you inspect it, you feel the back to make sure there's nothing stamped into it or, or like car, you know, like etched on the back in, in, in a different type of ink or lemon juice or none of that seems to be appropriate. There's no smell to it. It's pretty, it's pretty much on the up and up, just handwritten. Very cool. I give the nod. <laughs> All right. So over to the other team. So you drive okay. out, you yep. uh, get a cab and you make your way out to the san- the uh, sanitarium or asylum. Yeah. I think it'd be a sanitarium back then. It, or I guess it could be an asylum too. Uh, I th- they actually said in 1922 it was named the uh, an asylum. Sanitariums where you went to to get healthy again. Yeah, this place you weren't coming out of too easy. No, cute. <laughs> All right. Okay, so Sid, I had this want. idea. Please let me know if you have a better one for how to get information, because I'm not sure if the attendants, front desk, whatever at this asylum are going to readily hand over information about patients that they let out. So I had this idea that we pose as a little couple and we're trying to put your mother in there. And we just want to know how safe is this place? Didn't you have somebody break out recently? How'd that happen? Because if I'm putting my family member in here, how's that going to work? It was an idea. Let me know if you have a better one. uh, Well, I'm thinking of truncating it. So to to, play on that, we could be a couple, but then Mm -hmm. I'm thinking to give it a little bit more punch Please. That you were a distant relative uh, of hers from mm-hmm. like a niece or something like that, a second niece from the United States mm-hmm. that you had heard that she was alive still and that she was in this institution and um, you wanted to come and, I don't know, you wanted to come and get to know her before before it was too late. She was your only relation left in, in England. Okay. That would give us a personal in. Mm-hmm. And so they might give us more information, and then they also might give us information about the other person that escaped with her because you've got a personal tie. I don't know if mm-hmm. the keeper would. I like that better. Know. So you make your way up to the front, the front gate. You ring the bell, you know, a buzzer or some some sort of thing. It's a little box that just sits there. It crackles for a second with it. With and how are you? Hi, excuse me. My name is Catherine Ross Poulter. I'm here to, um, I was hoping someone could speak with me. I have a relative who is, um, I think my, I think my, my great aunt is staying here. I was hoping I could maybe get in to visit her. Rose Edith Kelly is my aunt. She's come a long way. Just tell him, just tell her, dear. She's come a long way from a state. Uh, yeah. Married. I had emigrated, but we came back because she found she had this relative left and she, we wanted to connect. Such a sweet idea you had there, Paisy. Thank Such you. Such a sweet so idea. Much. Thank you. You hear this crackle, and then you hear, and the, the gate cracks open. Oh, wonderful. Come on, dear. Oh, you're such a gem. <laughs> so as you walk up, give me, everybody give me a, uh, the two of you give me a listen roll. No. Yeah, my guess is that's a no. Yeah, that's a no. It's a clear no. You didn't hear everything, but what you did hear was a lot of screaming. A lot of yelling, door slamming as you approach the main door, people banging on the glass. There's ah! people pounding on the on the glass. It has that um chicken wa- coop wire inside of the glass, you know, that was that reinforced it and made it stronger. And all of a sudden, this dark, large, ominous being from behind the person that's banging on the glass and screaming 
just starts wailing on them like this and hitting them. And you see the, the body go, go down and the, the, the hitting keeps going and like this and this over and over again, just repeated baton swings. It looks like, but it, it, it the shadows of it is, is far more frightening than if you had just seen somebody hit with a bludgeon object. It's, it, it looks almost unearthly. Um, my God. Yeah. My God. Oh, sweetness. I don't know that I can have you in the back room with this, this going on. I, I fear for your safety. You're so genteel. And, and this is just, this I fear would be too much for your constitution. As you've said, my toffee pudding, I've come a long, I've come a long way. And I'm, I'm determined to find out this information about my, about my lovely great aunt. She yeah. is a strong dandelion. She is. Standing straight, so proud with a little so, yellow flower. There's an orderly who opens the door as you come up, big guy. And then he says, this way, please. And oh, oh, all over again. <laughs> right. Give me. Get back um, in your cage. Yeah, that kind of thing. There's a lot of, there's some people that are just one. As you walk in, one man is just walking repeatedly into a corner. Um, he hits it and kind of takes a step back and then breathes a little bit and then goes forward again. It's this is the most despair that you felt. Like this pulls at your heart harder than than some of the bodies and the and the and the young people that you saw decimated by the war because these people are healthy as far as in body, but in mind they are broken. It's it's terrifying. It's as a nurse, you feel that you're you know you've seen it the rough days, you've seen it hard, but my God, these these people must be stone dead cold inside like to to know that these people are suffering i mean one guy is just lying there with wet pants um there's a woman strapped to a table who just is drooling she's you know it's obvious that she's tried to hurt herself and she's appears to be in a straight jacket sid give me an uh idea check real quick on that and then you walk up to the main front desk that's behind bars you know does that make an intel check for you uh, yes it does okay you think that maybe some of those markings you saw on the man with the Anubis mask, you said mummification. Mm. The arms mm. look very similar. Like this. To being in a straight jacket. Right. Pulling at restraints and stuff. Yep. I, I, I lean into her as if like um like sort of hugging her to pull me towards you, sort of sort of look mm -hmm. like I'm protecting her. And I say, yeah. I think I just figured out who Johnny is. Who? He took the flyer out the window, Mister Go Smack. So from behind the, the uh, you know the the grate, looking out. Yes, you're here for your aunt. Who? Uh, my name is uh, Catherine Ross Poulter. This is my darling husband. We're here um, looking into my my great aunt Rose Edith Kelly. I I heard that she was um, uh, a resident. A resident. A resident. Thank you. Thank you, darling. A, a resident here. Absolutely, sweetheart. Thank you. Have a seat on the bench. We'll be right with you. Right here, honey bunches. Right here. Hello. So you Thank sit you. down, and in about 10 minutes, a man appears, opens the door. <laughs> with, a, with a mallet in his hand. And steps through, and he says, Miss Poulter? Yes, Catherine Ross Poulter. Um, newly wed. This is my husband, Sydney. Hello. Pleased to meet you. Pleased to make your acquaintance, ma'am. She kept sir. the Ross. It's American, you know. She kept the Ross. And he says, my name is Dr. Ward Price. I was one of the key physicians in working with your aunt. Was? Would you like to come to my office? 
Um, yes, if it's, if it's appropriate. Yeah. I mean, are you going to be okay, dear heart? Could you could um, you make it? Yes, Can yes. You up? Um, <laughs> I'll, maybe, maybe bear down. What? <laughs> no, I'll I'll be fine, dear. I'll be fine. A woman, women are made of stronger stuff than men believe. She's seen war, so she she's seen rough stuff. Yes, I've. I'm I'm of the medical profession myself. I'm I'm a nurse, doctor. Are you? Yes. I served in the war, and um, I currently work at one of the smaller hospitals in London. Very well. Um, please. He leads you Thank down. You. Uh, there's another door on the side off to the left. He gets uses a key. This looks like administrative offices. Mm -hmm. And inside of it, he leads you in. The, the office is it's nice, but it's not overly accrued. It's not gorgeous. Um, it, it is, you know, it's just a basic office with a wooden desk, a few chairs. They're not super comfortable. This doesn't even have a couch in it, but it does have a small side table. Uh, he offers you water. Can I offer you anyone a glass of water? He pours two waters, drops them down the, on the desk next to you, and then walks around the back, sits down, and he says, Yes, uh, I'm sorry, Mr. Poulter, but your aunt was, um, was seeing one of my colleagues, and unfortunately, I don't know how this happened, but it seems that he issued a, a pass and, and, and she was, she was given her freedom. I felt that she was in no condition to be out on her own. Uh, since she was brought in, she has been in no right state of mind that she should have been given this, this pass, but this doctor was called in by a, a family member and he had all the paperwork and he was taking over her case. And after several sessions, uh, he deemed that she was well enough to travel. Do, do you know his name? We, we would love to uh, reach out to him. I'd like to speak to him. His name is Caravaggio. And do you know where his offices are? Well, he's supposed to be in London. I, I, I believe I have his card, sir. Yes, here it is. Um, he hands Fantastic. you a card. He said, Thank you. unfortunately, um, when I came back uh, from taking several days off for myself, well, my wife just had our third child. Um, he was covering. I'm, I'm so sorry. Condolences. Sydney. Sydney. Sorry, says, I've never liked children. Go on. Not even ours. Um, not, even, not even our own little bastards. Go on. So he says. Um, he says. She I, did press him out there. I had, as a colleague, I had asked if he would look after several of my cases since he had already been coming every day to deal with your aunt, and he said he would, but. Then I returned and found that she had been given this pass to leave, and he hasn't answered my calls. I, I have been able to reach him. Reason that my aunt was being seen by an outside... Is he a specialist? Why was someone brought we in have, to look... We have the letter, madam. He goes over to a, a very small but well-beat-up filing cabinet mm -hmm. and pulls it out. And Pardon me, sir. I have, a, I have a question. He He didn't happen... He didn't happen to give passes to anyone else, did he? I mean, um, is there a pattern, perhaps? Yes, sir. He he did have... There was a pass issued for Miss Kelly and one other gentleman. The people that allowed this other gentleman out, um, the orderly and the woman who was manning the front desk that night, I, I can understand. Your aunt was a disturbed woman, but she was not in any way, shape, or form dangerous to herself or anyone else that we could tell, but... This other patient, he is quite unstable, and Dr. Caravaggio released them both. My God. Were they released together? Is this supposedly dangerous 
man now released in the company of my kindly aunt? Not with her aunt. Who is this, um, who is this man? Who is, who is this man? Do you, do you have a name for him so we could maybe track them down and save her from him? I, 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 I know you shouldn't folks, serve I, it. I, I, it, I, it is her aunt, and she's come a long way across the pond. His, his name is John Templeton. Thank you so much. Joel, give me a roll on... Yeah, it's going to have to be Intel or History. Let's do Intel. History's a five. He rolled Oh, yes. Bloody hell. <laughs> That's the old loving Don't godmother now. Critical. <laughs> my toffee I'm sorry. I'm sorry. But my toffee pudding rolled a critical. That's, that's the quote. That's right, honey bunches. We're in this together. To the end. Fuck the pros. Yes. That's my sweetie comes right there. Every my oodly poodly. <laughs> this has been so fun. Anytime we need a masquerade, <laughs> this is so happening. You recognize the name is John Templeton. That John Templeton was in the news and he was accused of a heinous crime. That he killed his own wife and was tied in eventually to you know, Rose Kelly and had been a lover of hers and there was all kinds of scandal and he was found guilty of the crime and eventually he was facing the death penalty, but he was deemed insane and was eventually put into an, uh, this asylum as well. But uh, he definitely has a connection. He is the John of the lore of Rose Edith Kelly. So let's go back to the other group, Aveline, Faye, and Schooley. Uh, you have the prophecy. Whoever has a cult, go ahead and give me a roll on that. That is not my expertise, so I'm looking to John and Faye on this one. I have a forty, yeah. so we'll see how well I do. Okay, Jesus John, God whatever. Well, way to go, guys. God, That's a critical. To you. That's I a critical success. It's a hard success. The line, the shapeless ones of hunger and lust fall upon great Egypt, this land of dust, reminds you of a passage that you read uh, from an 18th, uh, late 1800s mystic and medium by the name of Helena Blavatsky. Shapeless ones through the land of dust, that portion, right? Yep. Helena Blavatsky also, because you that's a crit success for you, is it not? It is, yes. It quickly comes to mind that Helena Blavatsky was also the founder of a particular order, the Thesopical Order, and there is a branch here in London, and this sigil comes to mind. What you make of this sigil, this is the actual sigil of the Thesopical Order that Helena Blavatsky was a founding member of. We'll talk about that in a moment. So that's group. That's the group at the bank. Uh, you now know that the key opened up the lockbox containing the word, the prophecy, and then this particular poem. Helena Blavatsky predated Rose Edith Kelly. She was a mystic, an occult mystic herself as well. She was considered one of the illuminated. There's a lot of legends about her. John will, or other people that will start doing research, will find some of that out. But immediately John recognizes that this hermetic order or this special order was founded by her and there is still a branch in London. And let's go back to the team at the Senate, at the uh, asylum. So okay. he apologizes profusely again. He says, you know, he's, they're doing everything in their power to try to find these two. Unfortunately, the news story got out that it was an escape. 
they've let that run. They didn't try to correct it right now because obviously it would look terrible for the hospital, but they're going right. to find this Dr. Caravaggio and they're going to punish him. You know, they're going to bring the full weight of the law against him. This is so unacceptable, right. yada, yada, yada. So there, he's very, very apologetic. He says that he'll do anything he can for your family. How can he help you? You know, at this point, once we find her, we'll bring her back. She'll, she'll be, you know, I, John was infatuated with her. I can't believe he would hurt her. I, I, I know he would never hurt her. Do, what is what is uh, Dr. Caravaggio's? What's his first name, perchance? Uh, it's on it the might... business card. Is just M. M. Caravaggio. I'm trying to think if we can try to track him down or at least look him up. Yeah, I'm, guar I'm guaranteed that he ties into all this nightmare. You problem. you asked you asked if there was what, what's this doctor's name again? Did we get a name for him? Doctor Ward Price. Oh. It's under his photo. Doctor Price. You're of a medical mind, I'm of a medical mind, and seeing as how this is a family member, is there any way you would release my aunt's records to me? She, seeing as how she's no longer, seeing as how she is no longer in your care, and well, she was allowed under... to be released by some, some quack that, some fiendish doctor who has signed her release papers. Go ahead, make when... me a roll under, what do you got, persuade? What is it, which one do you have, Lauren? Uh, mine is intimidate. Oh, then you're going the right route. Go ahead and throw me a roll on that. Okay. Because you're using yep. the you screwed up the law, yada yada. Oh right. my! Oh my god, I haven't rolled on roll twenty all night. I've been using my phone, which has been pretty lucky. But let's try this. Don't let me down. No. By how much? Ten. You can spend the ten luck. You can push it, or someone can use their talisman, the Eye of Arman. It would have to be Sid. He's the only one there with you. Uh, Sid, that would mean you burned it up. Uh, you can give her the the a reroll on that, or she. Can... Yeah. Uh, uh, well, I. Do you really do you really think we're gonna get something out of this, uh, Catherine? Do you think it's worth it? Think maybe if on the off chance that would okay. So in, I don't I don't, I don't the, think Caravaggio would have put anything in there. Yeah, maybe not Caravaggio, but in her time, like interned at this. Um, like in her time, like being a resident at this asylum, would they have kept like therapy notes, like what she said, things like yeah. maybe about yeah. AWAS or her ramblings? We could glean info from them, maybe. All right, then I'll I'll uh, do it. I'll okay, give it the eye. Okay, reroll, but this one you can't add luck to. And while she does that, it is time to play. What was the cheesiest nickname? I think it was uh, Honey Bunches or Toffee Pudding. Just saying. I didn't even get a chance to call her my little wubby. Wow. No. I that actually found horrible nicknames to like call your boyfriend, and one of them was Wookie. Okay, Ooh, Catherine, Wookie. you made the roll. And we're back. So what he's willing to do is he's, he, he can't release the notes because he's hoping that she's going to be back and under his care because she's been state committed. Okay, it's, already, it's been signed on, and, and she's here under – she doesn't have the ability to walk out on her own power, but he'll let you go through the notes. So he leaves Ooh. them on his desk and says, I have to make my rounds. I'll be back in 45 minutes. And he opens the door and he says, and if you're not here, we'll, we'll be in touch as soon as we get a hold of her. Just leave your number on my card, you know, on, on the desk. Fantastic. Thank you so much, Doctor. Uh, where would you think would be the best information to follow up on some of this occult knowledge, John? What are you thinking? Well, I, I would think actually um, going back to the uh, going back to the club's archives would probably be, you know, uh, the, the best chance of finding out some deeper information on this. Okay. So how do I say this? Because Aveline could certainly come back to the club with me. The first, uh, the first rooms um, at the club, it's only accessible by at least an associate, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. So Faye wouldn't be able to accompany us there. 
No. Faye, do you have any uh, any thoughts about um, a good place to uh, do some research on this information? Well, I was thinking about going to museums archives because I don't know. I think that might be more specialized than a regular library. We, I, I might have a, I might have another idea of another place to look as well. But um, it, it's it's a it's a private environment. I'm not sure. Uh, you know, maybe maybe uh, maybe it might be best for us to part ways and each go research this. Uh, you know, at these different locations. I think you'd be safe at the museum. Yeah, yeah. I mean, you know, I can. We're all trying to kind of stick together for, you know, safety and numbers. But uh, I think if we took you to the museum, Aveline, yeah. would um, do you like to? Um, we could we could go back to the club and maybe uh, do some research there. That sounds like a very excellent idea, actually. This group's gonna go and two are gonna head to the club. Faye, you want to check the archives at the at the museum. The other place you could go, Mel, is you could make a stop off at the Sasopical Society and ask some questions about Menem Blavartsky. If you want to do that, you can feign that you may want to be a member. You, you know, the, the the doors are open. They allow people to come in and out. That's not a place that... Oh, it's a public place. Oh, okay. Yes. Yeah, well, it's public to get in and say hello, and we have some interest in joining. You don't get into the greater mysteries until... You're, you're a little vetted. But if you yeah. were looking for information about Helena Blavatsky, they would have pamphlets and books. They're always looking to take money and increase their numbers. That may not be a bad idea because you know, I could go under the guise of I'm an explorer. I've been all over and I've been hearing about the society and I want to see what it's all about. So Okay, so back real quick to the Sid, Pol Sid and Catherine. You go through the notes after some quick digging, Lauren. It, it is in a type of shorthand but it's not so secretive that you're not able to kind of break through it's doctor's shorthand and scribble you do relate to the oh i guess you're going to tell sid what you find right so i can read it just to both of you or talk to mm -hmm. both of you oh 100 okay. like i'm writing notes i'm showing him okay. things like because i'm not going to be able to because of my lack of a cult if something's right. relevant i might miss it so i want many eyes on this okay so you're gonna have to write this down okay so awas the dreamer she spoke about this at great length she spoke about her time traveling in Australia. She feared for the future, had visions of a wave of blackness crossing the earth, covering the earth. She spoke of that, you know, there were times when we, because he tried hypnosis therapy and stuff. She was perpetually cold, that Awas had a heart of ice. There was, there was great loss, great suffering in a, in a place close to God. So there's a scrambled mishmash of, dream sequences and hypnosis and it keeps coming back every so often she again mentions awas awas the dreamer awas the ever vigilant awas the watcher and then he you come upon a part where there's actually very very detailed notes recounts a dream in which her son entered a harem of many beautiful women and was taken to a bath and bathed but he was bathed in blood he stood there while being washed and attended to, but he was washed in blood. We know if Rose Edith Kelly had children or... Uh, Sid, you were the one who made the role about Rose, right? That you remembered mm -hmm. who she was? Oh, no, no, that wasn't me. That was Faye. That was so. Faye. Okay, right. You, you, uh, that's right. So, so you don't know that, Lauren. Something to note. Yeah, Faye, Faye remember, or she became famous as I had already left, I think, and right. start running. Okay, so that's pretty much what you're going to get out of this situation up at the sanitarium. I mean, I'm sorry, at the asylum, you're able to get done under 45 minutes. Do you take it all and leave anyway and put it in your pocket or purse? I take the page about the, like, the the suffering, like, in the high place, 
some those notes the... are over many days. Okay, yeah. so it's not yeah. like I can't take a page. What about the one with the sun covered in blood? That's one piece of a note. That I mean, okay, you could take that one. Or you could take the file. Uh, Sid, do we? Do you think we should take this file or leave it here? I mean, we've okay. made diligent notes. What do you think we should do? It's up to you. I, I, if we're not coming back here, I would take the notes. Either okay, way, then. this, this change screwed. His job's gone. She puts the notes in her little handbag, and we depart. Fair enough. You make it out. The door from the inside is unlocked. It only locks on the outside, but on the inside, the handle will turn normal. You turn it. Um, you're now you're in front of the orderlies. You know the the greeting station. There's no orderlies in this part. There's nobody on the benches. And you walk out. And again, from the inside, it's easy to to pop the gate. It doesn't need you know you don't have to be buzzed back out. That way, it's okay. So you go up, pop it, out you go. You make it out. The cab. You told the cab to wait. You give the driver a little extra coin for for waiting for you. He thanks you for the tip. You get in and you drive back towards where you're planning on meeting your your fellow investigators back at the hotel. Lovely. So you guys did really well. Keeping the notes was the right call. That was that was definitely the right call. Yeah. In, in a half hour, you would have, you know, there may be some other things when you read through it real carefully that you'll be able to digest or be able to mm-hmm. uncover. Yeah. So let's go first to uh, why don't we? Because the big group is going to be with uh, John and Abilene. So Faye, which one did you want to try to do before uh, going back to the hotel for the night? Or the afternoon, were you looking to do the Thothopical Society, or were you thinking of going to the museum? I'm going to go to the Society. I think that that might be where I get most. Okay. So there's um, there's a middle-aged woman sitting behind the desk as you walk in. Place is very mystical, very, you know, has all different symbols on the walls. Everything is about know your mind, what you know. Knowledge expands your, you know, your horizons. But facts keep you keep you grounded. So it's talking about that you still have to, you know, it's definitely leading you to think that you have to open your mind to new things. You can't just lock yourself down with, I know how to do that, so I'm never going to experience it again. Has this real esoteric feel to it, but overall, it's it's just this really well well you know, trimmed out, well, really nice place. And they are burning candles, and there's incense, and she's sitting there, and she's like, Oh, good day, love. How can I help you? Hi, uh, my name is Faye Dawson, and I'm here on an information hunt, if you will. Well, we are all about information, both collecting it and sharing it, my dear. How can I help you? What what did what kind of information were you looking for? I was. I'm a, I'm a very experienced traveler, and you know, as I travel around, I get to hear a lot of whispers and to hear a lot of things going on. Um, very interested in your society. You know, I've heard about it before and I figured, hey, you know, when in London, why not go check it out while I'm here before I go off on my next adventure? So I was wondering if you could give me any information on one of your founding members. Which one would that be? Miss uh, Helena Blavatsky. Uh, yes, she is our most esteemed founding member. There is so much to know. Her travels were many. She traveled the world at a time when women were not normally able to do so. She was considered a mystic, a visionary, a seer. She had access to the great hidden secrets of the Buddhist temples. She supped with and spent three months with the Dalai Lama of Tibet and was deemed to be one of the most high, but one of the most exalted spirits that he had ever met. She is, she was pure light. It's nice to hear about her. Um, I'm about to go on a new adventure, and I just her name keeps popping up. I was Where just wondering. Where are you off to, dear? I'm going to Egypt. Really? Oh, one of her favorite places. Really? Um, do you know about her 
involvement over in Egypt? Like, can you tell me a little bit? Well, she she was um, present on several uh, digs in the in you know in the late turn of the century. She uh, she actually studied some of the the hieroglyphs and was able to assign names to several cartouches. She's just there. There's so much to, to know. Are you thinking of perhaps becoming a a member of our society or or joining the enlightened? You know, I was thinking about it. I'm not really sure yet. I, I travel so much. Like I'm, I'm never in a spot for too long. So, you know, I never really know. Do you have branches in other countries? Let's say like Egypt. We do. Um, we have branches in Egypt. We have a branch in two actually in Germany, one in Italy and one actually in the Bronx in New York, which I believe I hear coming a little bit through in your accent. Uh, <laughs> charged, bitch. Yeah. Bronx. Oh, that's so uh, interesting. Hmm. Well, our, uh, our, fir- our first actual chartered facility was in the Bronx. Madame Blavatsky was there and opened it in, in New York and then came back to London, where unfortunately she passed not long after that. This before the, the, you know, this chapter was established. But yes, uh, the f- actual first thesopical house um, learning center, as we sometimes call them, was actually opened and founded in New York. You don't say. I live there. Say. I know that. Oh, that's definitely something to consider then. Thank you for your information. Before I go, um, do you ever publish anything? Like any books, any of her findings? Oh, absolutely. Obviously. Absolutely. We just come this way. She takes you to a side room of the house. It is a bookshop. Name the occult fascination. If it's Western oriented, it's here. Mm-hmm. Uh Kabbalism, Buddhism, Tao. That's there, but it's not as much. But I mean anything that was prevalent running through the mystical the mysticism of Victorian England. They, mm-hmm. they, you know, she had a book she recommended, or this is the one that she studied from. You should read this to understand. This is the one she wrote because she did. She was published several times. You do see, I, you know what? Let's do it this way because you're you're kind of doing this on the slide while this one's talking. Go ahead and make me a spot hidden roll. I nope. So the the <laughs> overall general vibe is is that. It's a lot of, it's a lot of stuff, and that deals with you know turn of the century, Victorian England, and unfortunately because that was a critical botch on looking for something, uh, you do not go out. For, Yeah, you do, you do spin rather excitedly, and you knock a, a small crystal ball off the table. This one table, it does chip, it rolls all across the floor. She looks at you, dumbstruck horror, just absolute like, you know, oh you klutz, what the hell. <sighs> I'm so sorry. Uh, I can pay for it. It was her first scrying crystal. It's it's okay. It's it's not like it's special. <laughs> oh, why is it on display a here? Scrying crystal. Jesus God. It's, it's it's just the one she trained on with with. It's it's okay, child. Are you are you thinking of purchasing that book? <laughs> All I'm saying is I am now. Not in the game. <laughs> It was so goddamn important. <laughs> but not be somewhere where my clumsy little elbows could come in contact with it. it that is all I'll say. Are you blaming the mystic librarian for your clumsiness? Yeah, <laughs> she should have seen it coming. If... <laughs> um, Try that. I, um, I buy any book that this sweet woman has uh, offered to me. Okay, so it's 
It's four pounds fifty. She's and again as you're getting ready to leave, you you leave a, a five pound note. She she makes the change and she says, you know, you tell her to keep the change, right? And she's like, oh, well, I'm sure that'll be able to buff it out. It won't be an issue. It's it's okay. Um, but she, <laughs> it is quite deep. Again, Sam, <laughs> I'm so sorry. I I feel terrible. Um, I'll, I'm gonna go now. I'm just gonna. Good luck in your travels. Try not to, you know, upset a, uh, upset a regime or overthrow a government. <laughs> I'll try. Um, I haven't done that in a while, so I, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go. Thank you. You shut the door and you're just like, sweet God, sweet Marines, all the ships at sea. What has what just happened? So, okay, <laughs> the uh, you do have a book. The 98 means that you didn't you didn't get the book book, but you did get one that's interesting. It'll be a great read for you, and it'll. If you do put some time in and really study it, we're going to give you a plus five to your occult. But it's going to take some time to study, and you're going to have to get over the fact that they're going to have to buy a new scrying crystal and tell everybody that was the original scrying crystal. So as you start heading back for the the hotel, we're going to get to the final part of the evening uh, with John and Aveline. You're inside the halls of the Cobalt Club, and you're going through their archives and their particular library of different facts and things that dealt with cults and cult movements and esoteric uh, societies and things of that nature. Go ahead and give me an occult roll, John. Sorry, wrong guy. I was about to say. Yes. Great I was like, good, good God. Another nine. That's still probably very good. Is that a hard success for you, John? It is indeed. So but with the two of you, you do end up coming up with a passage, the shapeless ones of hunger and lust fall upon great Egypt, this land of dust. It is part of a poem or that was published by Helena Blavatsky, or Blavatsky rather, I'm sorry. And it goes on to say that she had had quite a few visions and nightmares that this poem was hers. She actually was the first one who ever encountered, she, the, the words very much are very similar to what Rose Edith Kelly wrote down. The poem is slightly just like dialect differences, like who shall let is whom shall let or they shall let, you know, it's just slightly different, but both women basically wrote down this exact series of phrases. Okay. The prophecy itself though, this is not the prophecy. This is something that this was a poem that she wrote attached about it. The prophecy is actually something where she said that, should six items of power ever be gathered in one place that chaos will reign supreme and that the earth will fall in a wave of black. That was Madame Blavatsky's prophecy. And she actually goes on between you and Aveline and about two or two and a half hours of just paging through and showing each other notes. You're doing the Gandalf thing, but you're doing it in tandem. She clearly states in her in in her about this prophecy that she had when she was in her 30s that the items did not have to be antique. They had to have power. She believed that some of the items may have not even been forged yet. They may have been something coming in the future. But that when gathered together with that if these items matched this criteria, no matter what these items were, she couldn't put a hand on it exactly, but she said that if you could find these things, bring them together. This would be the downfall of earth. This would be the final, you know, that some great ancient elder power would awaken. What were the criteria? Here were the six descriptions that she gave. The bones of an innocent slain in the lands of the gods. Because you rolled a 
Art Success, you're going to get the full names. The Cloth of a Zealot. Sometimes it says Diabolical. Sometimes it just says Zealot. You find several references to this cloth. A Book of Sin Bound in Flesh. The Sigil of a Maiden Lost in an Icy Grave. A Tongue That Has Kissed Death. And the Dream of God. That's quite a list. Yeah. So, Aveline, you uh, you and John had a his occult role was excellent. You, the two of you, are able to solve this. You go, you know, you were able to piece these things together. It's about time that you were supposed to meet everyone back at the hotel. So you can decide to stay. You can decide to make a call. Tell them you're going to be late. Would you be ready to gather together again for information? What do you? What's your thoughts? Actually, I kind of want to do a little RP thing that I think they would have, like John and Aveline would have done. Go ahead. Like talking during the research time. Sure. So and go ahead. Let's like, cover that. Just real quick. Aveline would probably start the conversation as like, so how exactly did a professor of history get involved with the Cobalt Club? You're not exactly a profitable profession as far as I know. Well, as you know, some members are uh, members through means and some members are members through ability and maybe perhaps experience. I I had a unique experience in my past uh, that uh, put me face to face with some uh, serious realities about the occult and the supernatural things that exist in this world. And uh, a friend put me uh, essentially in contact with, uh, with the, the club. And uh, I've been uh, an associate for, uh, for some time and uh, more recently have been uh, elevated to level of fellow. And uh, this, this is actually my, my first sort of uh, foray out into the field, if you will. Um, I've been uh, mainly doing a lot of research and such for the club. How about yourself? How, how, how does a teacher become, become uh, so, so embroiled in such things? Or are you, in fact, a teacher? Well, since I know I can trust you now, I suppose you can figure out I'm not a teacher. I, uh, it's just what I use to tell people it's an honest career in order to keep people ending with the questions, like no more questions than that. I, like yourself, I guess, I came into this by means alone. My father had connections in the Cobalt Club and they owed me favors. Now, that's why I'm here. But this whole mess with the Egyptian mummification, the occult, I know nothing about it. Truly, I just, I well, consider myself I, a uh, fighter of justice, that's all. And that's good. You and I are on the same side there. I, my my main purpose in the club is to uh, to seek out these nefarious groups that hide in the shadows who may you know, mean ill towards people and bring them into the light, kicking and screaming if necessary. Sometimes it has to be that way, and they deserve it. And you can see in her eyes, she's not kidding. Like... For lack of a better word, you know, an intensity or something, hell. <laughs> an intensity there. Mm-hmm. I'm glad you're on my side. <laughs> have well, you uh, have you heard about this uh, Faye Dawson? I've only heard what all the papers were saying. I have some spies who have followed her whereabouts in the past because she has uncovered some incredible things, and she is a smart woman indeed. But um, not much else about that, no. Mr. Beto's said to keep an eye on her. Seems to be some interest. Well, then you and I shall keep her in our line of sight throughout this ordeal. And I may have some other 
things to share with you at a later date, but we should get back to the hotel now and let the others know what we have found. If there's anything you need help with, I am happy to do so, and I, I will uh, I will also ask uh, of you if there's anything I need of assistance. Brothers and sisters are there for each other always. Absolutely, as it should be. And we do the secret, like, neener, neener, you know, symbol. <laughs> yeah. All right, Catherine. Yes. Okay, so you're back at the hotel. Go ahead and make me... Go ahead and give me an intel roll. 32. Okay. Which is a hard... No, crit, hard success. So you're, you're paging through all this paper. You're paging through all this papers and stuff when Faye comes in and not far behind Aveline and Professor John. You were... John, you're heading back, right? To the, yep. After that? Okay. They all head in. And I guess, Faye, real quick, do you want to summarize to the team what, what you found out or... So I got a book. Um, definitely didn't cause any property damage while I was there. But anyway, the book. Did you do? Are you injured? I what? Am I, are you injured? Oh, but the crystal ball is. Anyway, so hmm. um, I got this book. It's one of the ones that uh, Helena Blavatsky. Uh, oh, God, you don't even know about her. Anyway, so we went and oh. found this poem. I'm getting there. I'm getting there. We got this poem um, from the box that we that Rosie that Kelly had. Um, anyway, not really much of interest in there except for that one little poem. I wrote a copy of it, so here you go. I hand it to her to read it. And we found that it matched with a lot of what this old mystic, uh, Anna Blavatsky, say. So Evelyn and John went to go do their own thing, and then I went to go do my own thing, and I got this book. So haven't really looked much into it yet because, you know, walking. But anyway, so I got to look into it more. But So Evelyn and John... You hear Blavatsky as well. You knew that she was heading to the Theosophical Society. Who would, who wants to share what you guys discovered? Well, I mentioned since you know uh, yep. Blavatsky had sounded familiar to me when I you know the uh, when I when we had initially read that passage. Um, so that sounds uh, that sounds uh, you know the the connections there are obvious. Something had had stirred in my memory, and we we went to. Uh, we went to a, a source we know, and um, we're able to find some 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 literature to support it. the The prophecy explaining to Catherine and Sid that we found this thing labeled a prophecy and show them the notes of what that was in the box at the bank. Um, but this prophecy, so to speak, is actually just almost word for word the same of a poem that this uh, Helena Blavatsky had written. Uh, other than a couple of minor, you know, art thous and wherefores, uh, it, the poem is identical to it. But the the strange thing is that the poem we found in the literature that we d discovered, the poem is not the prophecy. It just leads to an iteration of a prophecy that Helena Blavatsky actually made. And I was able to find out some information, or we were able to, I should say, be able to find out some information about, uh, about that. It is, uh, it is quite ominous, but uh, it speaks of uh, six items of power. Chaos will reign supreme, and the world will be covered in black in rose edith kelly's i produce the file so we sorry so sorry to stop you professor we took no, please, a quick please we we took a saunter we took a saunter to the hospital and procured rose edith kelly's medical files and in them she speaks about this 
horrifying dream the she had where everything was going to get covered in this blackness and she happened to have six terrible dreams so that number popping up numerology is a thing yeah there are specifically the six items of power in Mm -hmm. her prophecy she delineates exactly what they are oh dear Um, that they are things that do not necessarily exist yet and what they are is and i am typing this out as we speak so everybody can read that i mean so so this question has to be said this prophecy when was it made because if these items haven't been if when this prophecy was made these items haven't been you know created Um, yet it's it, it it was insinuated that some may have some may already exist right um some may not yet exist so whatever we can decipher of these six items we need to make sure that they don't come together or we need to make sure that we can find them i don't know and secure them wait a minute couldn't uh, couldn't percival read of being the bones of the innocent could he have been the bones of the innocent yeah but i don't think he was slain in the lands of god I think the lands of gods would, in my mind, probably refer to Egypt. I was thinking, too. Anybody who's got a history over a 40, go ahead and make me a history roll. Okay. I made it. Something about the Himalayas comes to you. Um, You remember that, Catherine, there's something about when he says the bones of the innocents and the lands of the gods. You remember from the notes, uh, something, remember we talked, or I mentioned the lake. A lake in a high place. He heard that as great loss in a high place. However, that was... Thank you for clarifying. I would have totally missed that. Okay, so in these uh, these notes, they talk about a great lake in a high place that's close to God. So, like, you know, a lake at some altitude. This can't... This can't be... Himalayan. Real. Okay. Do you know about a, a, a cool lake? Yeah, I mean, it's... Like thinking back, I think I went there once with my my dad. Like we're talking like years and years and years ago, but I remember being in the Himalayas with him, and there was lake, but something just didn't feel right about it. So something to go on. So with your role of history, you believe that you remember a a, a story about Rupkund in Devbhumi in the Himalayas in India. And that there is a, a lake called the Skeleton Lake in which great sacrifice was made at one of the highest altitudes. It was over 16,000 feet. And there are bones that literally scatter the shore of this lake. There were so many people sacrificed there. Because we're, getting a, we're running a little long, I'm going to go ahead and we're going to have to come to some sort of a consensus tonight on what item we want to go for first. So I'm going to say that the team spends the next day and a half or two days doing heavy, heavy research, if everybody's okay with that. Because Mm -hmm. if we pick an object that you want to go for, I can start setting that up for the next time we get together. So I'll give you the what you think are the locations after researching out these items. We're going to make a a general role for the group, and then we'll figure out what you think is the one that's the most accessible. Because some of these items your research starts to tell you are pretty far away. Okay. This is not going to be like, Oh, we got to go next door and break Madame Blavatsky's crystal. This is more like, Oh my God, we're heading halfway around the world. 
and it's 1931. So these trips will take time. Also yeah. keep in mind Himalayas was in the middle of nowhere. Yeah. Also keep in mind that there is other people who may or may not have as much information as you for however they may have gotten it. Caravaggio had access to the files. Caravaggio knows what Rose Kelly had, and he may even have her. We don't know where she is. So there's people competing for these items. So the order I know the order they're going in. It may or may not counteract the order you want to go in. So the bones of the innocent are Skeleton Lake in the Himalayas. That's a trek. The Book of Sin is a Bible bound in human flesh that the last time it was seen was in Venice, Italy, in a private collector's home. The Sigil of the Ice Maiden is a Siberian princess who was who was a virgin who was buried with her family 2,300 years ago. It's the tattoo on her arm, you believe, that you need to remove and bring. It's a piece of skin. The tattoo is reminiscent of something very Cthulian, very odd. And and she's buried somewhere in Siberia? She's been uncovered. You would have to find a way to get the skin off her arm, or somebody will if, if they're going there first. Mm-hmm. The tongue that has kissed death, this one took a lot of researching, but the only way, the only thing that your team was able to come up with after a couple days is possibly because it's mentioned in a in a, a failed expedition to the Amazon that the high priest of a tribe called the Colina was known as the Death Kisser, and they are that's an Amazonian tribe. Yep, and they are they are deemed claimed to be cannibals. Well, that makes sense. And the last two, the Dream of God was a famous one of the largest pieces of rock, a rock painting by an Aboriginal shaman called Mudu in Australia. It's called the dream of God. And it is big, which leaves the cloth of a diabolical zealot. It was a phrase that was found in a periodical published a year and a half ago. Somebody called this particular item, the cloth of a zealot. And it is the Bluntfon the first flag of the first swastika of the Nazi party that is sits currently in the Reichstag in Berlin. Oh, no. The Blundfon was the banner that Hitler's men carried when they tried to take, when they tried to march in, I believe it was Munich, and one of his... The beer hole pushed. The beer hole pushed. pushed and the guy got shot and blood splattered on it, and this became one of the most holy relics right. of the Nazi party. The he, would, he would actually hold the flag out to SS members and they would take it and they would kiss it. So that you're going to have to get Nazis, cannibals, Himalayan mountains. Can it get any more pulp guys? Amazing. <laughs> this is a lot. This um, is a what lot. have you done? Indy, Indy, come quick. <laughs> I, I, you know, my first inclination would be since you've been to the Himalayas, that that's a nice place to start. But since time is of the essence, it seems like we should start uh geographically what's closest to us yeah. wouldn't you guys agree i'm not necessarily high on going into nazi germany right now well it's not um, nazi yet it's still the 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 the, the weimar republic but yes they are growing in power oh, 1931 he's already you're over 31 I thought, why do i keep thinking we're in 36 yeah 31 so okay. he's got so Hen- so so, uh, so hindenburg has not declared him chancellor yet okay. no that's 36 yeah no, it's uh, 32. 33 is 32, and then Hindenburg died in 32, and 33 is when he declared himself the Fuhrer. Right. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 
So you've got a little bit of time on that one, (laughs) but not much. We've got some time. (laughs) Got three weeks. Well, maybe, maybe, maybe that's actually the best, you know, maybe that, you know, they're not quite, uh, you know, maybe, maybe that is the best. What's the closest that in Venice. And we start in Berlin and then we go down to Venice and we go. That's great. We're just going to do the fascist tour first. Yeah, why not? (laughs) Berlin and then go down to, you know, El Duce. (laughs) So we're going to start in. Berlin is on this map. Oh, wow. Thank you, Now, this is not Catherine speaking. Is this like a horcrux where I gotta destroy it, or do we just keep these things away from one another? Also, is our collecting them bringing them together? Technically. Well, a lot of that's gonna be answered by what order you're going in. Okay. And how they're going about what they're getting first. So, the if nefarious they. Right. If everybody is going in agreement, to go after the Blundfon, I can tell Blundfon. you that they'll have a resistance to you taking it. It's not something okay. you can just buy, but it's going to oh. be a it'll be a lot of fun tracking it down and figuring out how you're going to get it out. John Schooley is so pretty. I'm sure they'll just hand it to us. That's the go. plan. <laughs> yeah, my lord, take this. Well, that's gonna. I'm sorry that we rushed some of that investigation out, but I think it makes more that's sense to get true. started on this this whirlwind tour that we have to go on to get these items. Nice. You will find out more about. Uh, the other image that uh, Rose, uh, Rose Edith Kelly had about the, the harem and the bath of blood, that will all be coming in together as well. By the way, every one of these items is real, uh, with the exception, I think, the Dream of God is a, it's not as big as I'm making it, uh, but I believe even one of the Aboriginal paintings is called that, but all the other ones are pretty much dead on, uh, and they are relics that we're going to have to get. So thanks, everybody, for joining me tonight. I thank my players again. Guys did a great job. There's a lot of good roles, but this was a big investigation night, not as much action. Sorry about that, but uh, we had to get this all underway. Thank you all for listening. We'll be back next week. Don't forget, like, share. We'll do all that stuff in the wrap-up that we're editing. And I do want to thank Mel has ta- uh, agreed to take on as a passion project some of the editing to fix up these episodes and make them sound a little bit more professional. So thank you, Mel. <laughs> players, hope you had a good time, and thank you very much for joining me. Thanks for listening to this episode of Cthulhu in Cairo. You can like, share, and subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. The music you're listening to is Return of the Mummy by the great Kevin McLeod. Join us next time to see where our intrepid explorers find themselves next.